This is 3 and 5, an SLC management podcast. Hi, everybody. Thanks for dialing into this episode of 3 and 5. It's This is Steve Peacher at SLC Management. And today, I'm, I'm really happy to be joined by Veronique Lazier, who represents SLC in the province of Quebec. So, Veronique, thank you for taking a few minutes. Thank you for having me. That's great. So today we want to talk about um, something that's been, we've been focused on as a firm for many years, liability-driven investing or um, LDI. It's been a concept that has been, I think, actively pursued among many Canadian and pension funds for many years. But uh, there's, there's change happening in that, in part due to the underlying environment, especially the interest rate, level of interest rate, shape of the curve. And that's what we want to talk about. Let me just start at the high level. Why is LDI, liability-driven investing, so relevant now in this environment? What's changed? Good. Yes, thank you. And so maybe I'll just start by defining what liability-driven investing means, because it can mean different things to different investors. And there's many interpretations about how you do it, but it generally means you're investing while being aware of liabilities. With the recent bank crisis, the importance of that framework came to the forefront, as we've seen that the type of trouble that can be caused by an asset liability mismatch. So to to be clear, I'll be commenting from a Canadian market perspective, but there's a lot of similarities with the US. Number one reason why LDI is relevant today recent rate increases. So in the past year, the Bank of Canada raised rates by 425 basis points. A hike like this has not been seen in in recent history. So as a reminder for, for the listeners, as rates go up, bond prices go down, which means that bonds are now cheaper than they have been in quite a while. For plans who are looking to de-risk, this is an attractive entry point. But I should point out that we don't know how long it will last as these opportunities have been historically short-lived. The number two reason, I would say it's financial health of pension plans. In 2022, we saw a dramatic downturn in equities and fixed income, which has shocked many investors. But in spite of this, pensions plans are still in good positions because they had good returns prior to last year. So this puts them in a very strong, I should say, it's probably the strong, stronger than ever financial position. So they can now afford to de-risk by looking in some of these gains. And finally, the third point I'll make is it's more of a broader theme about demographic trends. Pension plans are maturing, which means that there are more retirees and fewer workers in these plans. So as a result, they have more pensions to pay and they need their asset mix to produce more stable and certain cash flows. And where do stable and certain cash flows come from typically? It's from fixed income. LDI is not just about fixed income, but it's an important building block of these solutions. So if I want to sum it up, it's an opportune time for uh, to implement or revisit an LDI program. Pension plans can afford it, and they, they also have a greater need for it, generally speaking. So if, um, if a plan is considering implementing an LDI approach today, what are they looking to get out of that? What is their goal from an LDI solution? Yeah, so so I, I think first, like LDI has evolved. Uh, we should note that uh, it was it used to be more of a simple bond portfolio, and now it's more like a broader framework. It means that we're considering the whole portfolio together with liabilities when we're, when we are constructing a, a solution. I'll give you a very simple example: infrastructure and real estate. They were not considered in the LDI portfolio in the past. But now investors are starting to recognize the benefits of of these two assets in managing liability risks, such as inflation, for example. So investors are looking outside of traditional fixed income when they think of LDI. So they think of it more as a framework covering more types of assets. 
Secondly, pension plans have generally categorized assets into two categories, so liability hedging assets and growth assets. So in the past, these two buckets, they had very specific roles that were distinct from one another. Liability hedging meant bonds to replicate liabilities. The growth assets meant equities, and their role was to generate excess return. As explained before, because plans are maturing, the liability hedging bucket now represents a bigger share of the total portfolio, and the percentage of growth assets is diminishing as a result. This means investors are demanding higher return from that bucket, from that liability hedging bucket, to maintain an overall interesting return profile. So when you put it all together, given this broader framework that you mentioned, you know, and, you try, and, and plans are trying to put this all together, you know, how are they going about accomplishing you know, implementing an LDI approach in their portfolios today, given the changes that you talk about, the fact that you could consider a broader asset base, the fact that interest rates are at a different level, the fact that plan funded ratios are actually better. So how are they going about this? One key thing is that, as I mentioned, liability hedging bucket, there's a, a greater need for return in that bucket. And so there are a couple of ways investors actually trying to get more returns from that bucket. And for instance, they try to go deeper into credit. So they, they're still being prudent in the risk they're taking, they're diversifying it as well uh, properly. But for example, we see below investment grade now being part of the LDI framework. This has the benefit of boosting returns, but also it acts as a diversifier to traditional investment grade credit. Another way that they can try to, to boost the returns is by seeking an liquidity premium from things like private debt when they, it's possible to, to add such, a, such an asset class. Private debt is very similar in many ways to uh, public debt, but you do get a risk premium due to the asset being liquid and having multiple barriers to entry. Canadian pension plans generally seek Canadian fixed income products. But the one thing here I'll mention is that it's important to understand that the Canadian corporate bond market is quite limited, and especially so in the long end, where many pension plans want to invest. So investors are addressing this in one of two ways. Either you buy shorter term Canadian bonds and you add leverage to get to your longer duration, or you can try to use other markets. So for instance, you can buy a longer dated US bond and bring it back to Canada by hedging the interest rate and the currency risk through the use of derivatives. So what you're essentially doing is that you're isolating the credit risk of the US bond and then by combining it to a Canadian federal bond, you create what I like to call a synthetic Canadian corporate bond. So like to sum this all up, I think this is a really exciting time for pension plans to reconsider their de-risking journey and their LDR portfolios. There are many tools available, innovative strategies, and the solutions are more accessible than ever. I've heard you say uh, uh, on another episode that income is back in fixed income. And, and I think that creates a ton of opportunities that have simply not been there in the past 10 years. So I think we're gonna, gonna hear more about what an LDI framework can do for pension plans uh, in the next uh, couple of months. Well, you know that the last 20 to 30 years in some respects has been a very challenging environment as, as plan CIOs and, and oversight boards have considered LDI because what I've seen investors over the years say is, yeah, it makes sense, but geez, rates have come down because rates have been in a, until recently been in a steady downward path. So it's been common to see plans say, well, I'm just going to wait till rates come back up and then they don't get the chance. And then the more rates came down, the more painful it was for a plan that had not implemented an LDI solution because declining rates are difficult for long dated pension plans. 
you know, to some extent, this is the chance, right? We're finally seeing exactly. an increase in rates. And so for plans that had not implemented an LDI solution years ago, and we're looking for the opportunity, maybe this yes. is it, you know, and I think to some extent, we're trying to ring that bell and saying, not only is, are you getting the chance that you haven't had, but there are, there's a broader way to think about it. And you can, and you can think about using new asset class in a hedging manner with more return. So it's actually a very exciting time to be thinking about this. So, you know, it's a, it's a big topic. We could spend uh, a lot more time on it, but those are really good insights. Let me completely shift gears. I like to end with a question that has nothing to do with our topic, but something on the personal front. So I know that your family has a sugar shack that they've managed. Sounds like for a long time. Um, so tell everybody about that. Sure, sure. Yes. So it's in my husband's family. It's, a, it's actually his grandfather and his uncle who own the sugar shack. But we, we have a beautiful place, the red shack out there that uh, that is uh, really the place for the family to, to all come together. And every season, like the springtime for us, the beginning of the springtime really means season uh, for maple syrup. And so we all gather there and help somehow in, in, the, in, in getting all of that, that, that water to the boilers and, uh, and enjoying a lot, of, uh, a lot of sweets that come out of the maple syrup. So it's very a good family tradition, but it's also one that is very enjoyable for the kids and, and a good moment in the year to really spend time out there, outdoor. And does that make does a maple syrup that your sugar shack end up getting distributed, sold? Uh, and if, for those of us who are down in the states, uh, would this, any of this become in our way, or is it just? <laughs> so it's kind of a small shack so you cannot like I, I we cannot distribute uh, more widely but we have this big thing in Quebec where we have a federation as well where you 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 give a portion of your production to uh, in exchange for a stable price on maple syrup so that's also another way that that you can access the Quebec maple syrup but I surely have a lot of uh, friends and family that benefit from the maple products around me <laughs> uh, it's fascinating well listen thank you Vero for taking the time you know it's a big topic. We, I know as a firm, we think this is really something that pension funds should be thinking hard about because there are great opportunities in this market. And those, those haven't been necessarily been available over the last few years. So it's, a, it's really an important topic to be talking about. So thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And thanks everybody for listening to this episode of 3 and 5.